You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. But tonight, man, it's really special. I get to introduce someone that's very special to me. As you guys know, my life was changed when I was a teenager because I went on a mission trip and saw uh, multiple kids, loved Jesus, served the Lord, and the love of God touched my life, and I've never been the same. And it was from that trip that I came home, started serving God, teaching the Bible, um, evangelizing. I just knew, man, the love of God is so powerful that this is real, and if it is real, I want to serve God for all of my life. And because of that trip, this is why we have a high focus on missions, on church planning even today. Um, I was talking uh, with the, the Holdens, and uh, I said, yeah, 10% of our tithes and offerings go to missions and in Mexico, you know, I mean, missions and church planning, and they were just like, yes, that's right. It's awesome. Uh, and so uh, this is my old youth pastor who happened to be, well, I, I say that, but it's more Laura's old youth pastor. She grew up in his youth ministry, middle school, high school. I was on the tail end of it in my senior year, junior year, and uh, met Laura and met the Hollands, Sean and Erica. Uh, Sean, um, you've blessed me, and I hope that by being here, you see some of your fruit. If it was not for you, this church would not exist because God uses people and steps of faith. And so I just hope that you just get a smile and enjoy this whole time as you preach because that's what I'm going to be doing, brother. And Erica, I would not be the man I am if you did not pour into my wife. She is amazing, and it's because of those crazy small groups that y'all had where they're sitting on the floor and talking about who knows what. Um, Man, it is because of that that she is so godly, so amazing, incredible. And, you know, forget y'all Redemption Church. My life, I know this is super uncomfortable for them. And I don't even care because the Bible says in Romans to outdo one another in honor. Okay. And yes, we give glory to God, but we thank God that he gives credit to man and he's going to reward you for that. And I pray that you could see just a foretaste of the amazing fruit that you've poured into not just me and Laura, but all the kids. And I hope it will inspire us. How cool is that in God's providence that as we're starting youth ministry and praying and fasting for kids and having people come in, our old youth pastor comes into town and is like, hey, what you doing? Am I hanging out with you? That's what we're doing. Okay. And so I, that was enough. It was embarrassing. But you know what? It's okay. We're family and we love you and we appreciate you. And um, just to articulate it a little bit better, my wife wrote something on Facebook, and I know that some of you guys saw it, but I think it's a very teachable moment for our church. And um, I don't have internet, so I'm going to try to go to my camera because I think I took a picture of it. This is what Laura wrote, and I want you guys as a church to know because I think it does matter when we step out in faith and we're pouring into one another and doing these things. What a special gift to have Sean and Erica come and visit us. Sean was my youth pastor for my entire middle school and high school years. And he and Erica had a huge impact on on the direction of my life and my relationship with Jesus. Erica was my small group leader and their influence and love for the Lord helped me to make me who I am. Daniel made his decision to follow Jesus with his whole heart and pursue ministry after a missions trip with Sean and Erica. And we met each other in our senior year in their youth group. They are church planners, parents, and even grandparents now, and their heart for Jesus hasn't changed. Their encouragement and prayers for us mean so much. Never underestimate the power of faithfully loving and pouring into the people God puts in your life. It makes 
a difference. And I praise God for you both. So I'm going to pray for this message, and I'm going to have Pastor Sean come up and preach the word to us. And you know what the Lord told him to teach on for us this this, uh, night? Prayer. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit just guides like that. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace. We praise your name, Jesus. We do give you all the glory and honor. It's a privilege to walk in your grace, to be called by your grace, and even to be used by you. But you have predestined before the foundation earth that we would walk in good works. And so we just want to give our lives back once again. We want to be used by you, Lord. We want to intercede and continue to learn about prayer and talk to you and be in fellowship with you and just submit to your ways. We want your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, we bless Sean and Erica and all their kids and even grandkids now, Lord. We thank you so much for how we can build one another up. And we want, Lord, just the Holy Spirit to right now come and anoint Sean's words, give him prophetic words and timely spoken word uh, to us as a body. Lord, that you would just teach Holy Spirit through your word. And so we thank you that we can be submitted to your word. We thank you that you're a God that speaks, that you're moving in our midst, that you're worthy of our praise. We bless you. We honor you. We thank you for all the things that are going on. Help us to worship now as we continue to worship with our mind and in your word. And so, Lord, thank you for this special gift and special moment. We ask that you be honored and glorified. And we thank you, Lord, for how you're working. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. All right, let's welcome Pastor Sean Holland. That's quite an introduction. I'm embarrassed. My goodness. We find ourselves tonight in uh, Matthew chapter 6. Turn your Bibles there. I'm all teary eyed. Hold on a second there. Ah, what a blessing it is to be here. I feel so honored to, uh, we just uh, were in the area of vacationing. My mom lives up north, and uh, and we like, hey, let's see how far away Daniel and Laura are. Oh, man, they're really close. We call them up, and hey, can we come see you? Yes. So anyway, what, a, what an honor it is to be here. We're looking at tonight in Matthew chapter uh, 6. We'll pick it up in verses 5 through 13. We're going to look at what I call the believer's prayer. Uh, Jesus uh, will teach us here in verses 5 through 8. Uh, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Go to the secret place to pray. Do not, you know, be like the, uh, the heathen. And the Father always knows the things that we have need of before we even ask. And then verses kind of uh, 9 through 13, he's talking about, you know, what to pray. He gives us a, a, a pattern of prayer. So we're going to begin. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who like to pray standing in the synagogues or the corner of the streets to be seen by men. For surely I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door. And, when you, and then go to the secret place, or pray to him in the secret place. That's where your father is, right? He says, uh, but when you, um, when you pray, go into your, your room, and when you, when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And the father who sees in secret will reward you openly. 
And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions like the heathen, for they think by, uh, you know, they'll be heard by their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, uh, for the Father already knows the needs that you have, and he will take care of those needs. So let's begin this whole process is when you pray, we'll stop right there. Jesus is making a huge assumption. We're actually praying. Okay, this is important. When you pray, we're assuming that we're praying. And, and I venture to guess that, you know, many Christians spend time in prayer. Uh, but it's got to be more than just mealtimes and foxhole prayers. You know, foxhole prayers is when you're in a foxhole. It's like, oh, i got to pray right now. But it's more than that. I'm talking about when we pray, Jesus is talking about going into that secret place, you know, seeking the face of God. And then I got thinking, well, how many people actually pray? What do the statistics are? So I love statistics. This is from October 2020. The study shows that 45% of people say they pray once a day, and the average prayer lasts just under five minutes. 45% of the people pray once a day, and it lasts under five minutes. That's the average. I had to go back a little bit further to Barna. Barna did some research. They're great for research, 2017. And they've discovered this, that there are, uh, as Christians, 94% pray. Well, that's good. But then I got worried. What were the other 6% doing? 94% pray? Yeah, but... If we're like believers in the Lord, shouldn't we be talking to our Father on a regular basis? I'm not sure what those 6% are doing, but they weren't praying, which is kind of scary to me. They went on some more research and they discovered that 82% only pray by themselves and silently. They don't open their mouth. 82%. 13% pray by themselves audibly. Okay, we're picking it up. But 2% pray audibly with another person or a group. So they'll get together in a small group and, and they'll pray audibly. Only 2%. 2% pray collectively with the church. Now I'm, I know that Daniel loves having you guys pray and, and seek the Lord. 2% only do that. Now I, I hope as a Calvary Chapel pastor and, and, uh, and as well as Daniel and other folks, this isn't talk about us, but this is overall, which is a pretty scary statistic about the church in, in America, I think. Now, many people, I think, don't have their, need, their needs met or lack wisdom simply because they forget to do one thing. Well, obviously, the statistics tell us they don't pray. The church as a whole is not praying. Um, and when we do pray, we, we pray for our own needs. What does uh, James tell us? James 4, 2, and 3 says... You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend on what you get for your own pleasures. So is our prayer focused heavenward on others, or is it just on ourselves? Now, God will be found, the Bible tells us over and over again, for those who seek him. Deuteronomy 4.29. If you seek the Lord your God, you will find him, if you look for him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. So God is, is somebody you can find. If you seek after the Lord, he will find you and you will find him. Jeremiah 29, a, a passage that many people know in verses 11 through 13, it says, 
For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to, to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So there's this call throughout the scriptures that we are to call upon the Lord. We are to seek him. Guess what? The promise is we're going to be found. He's going to find us. The question I want to ask you, are you seeking the Lord with all your heart? That's the challenge that I want to give to you as a church is be seeking the Lord with all of your heart. Back to our passage. We got through the first three words. Okay, so when you pray, all right, basically says don't be a hypocrite. I mean, the, the, you know, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, right? They love to pray standing in the, in, the, in the synagogues, in the corner of the streets, to be seen by men, okay? God, Jesus says, oh, surely I say to you, they have their reward. So basically, Jesus is telling us, I don't want any pretenders, I don't want no fakes. God knows the heart. Now, I don't know of or have seen anybody recently on the corner of the street praying loudly. Anybody, they do that around here in Florida? I, I don't know. We don't really see that, but when we pray, do we pray with the intention of people thinking how spiritual we are? We speak really loud so they can hear us. Oh, they're really praying. Oh, they're, they're amazing, right? See, God desires sincere prayer. Prayer that is from the heart and not just our mind. Saying, maybe you've done this, you're saying, you know, I'll pray for you. And how many of you failed to do that? I mean, you, you had a good intention, right? I want to pray for you. You know what I've learned? Pray for them right there, right now. It's just easier. You know, they're, they're dealing with stuff, they're having issues. You know, can we pray? Is better than I will pray for you. Those are words that have been stricken from my lips. The <laughs> Lord says, you can't say that anymore. You pray now. When he asks you to pray, pray while the fire is hot, as they say. And so it's important to pray for people. So when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. And he tells us, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have closed the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And he who sees in secret will reward you openly. So when we go to pray, where do we go? Well, we go to where the Father is. And notice in the passage, where is the Father? He is in the where? He's in the secret place. That's where the Father is. And that's where we're supposed to go to pray. Now, the Greek word for secret place is krypto in the Greek. It's the same word that we get for the word crypt, okay? An underground place where dead bodies lie. Sounds rather creepy, okay? But wait, when we, what better place to go to seek the Lord to the place where we're dead to self, to our crypt, to the crypto, okay? It's only when we are empty of ourselves in our crypt that we can, I believe, truly begin to see, you know, God with all of our hearts to understand him better. Because that's where he's at. Most often when I don't pray, it's usually because I can handle this one, Lord. You ever done that? Oh, I don't need to pray about that. You know, I can take care of that. Oh, I've got enough resources. I don't need to worry about that. And then I'm at the end of my rope. 
Where are you at, God? Uh, I was right here. You just never came. I was in the secret place. Where were you? I was doing it on my own. And then, you know, uh, for some strange reason, my wife says, have you prayed about that? How many guys hate that? <laughs> well, actually, I do love it, but I, I, I wish I, I shouldn't have to tell me that. I would do it ahead of time. And so the Holy Spirit says, you prayed about it? My wife says, have you prayed about it? So we need to make sure we take things to prayer and that we would get wisdom before we go to that place so we don't have to go there. So pray first, act second. Uh, how many of you guys work or gals work on your cars? You're somewhat minor mechanics a little bit, some of you a little bit, okay. Well, um, I've always had to work on my own cars uh, and I just kind of figured it out. We didn't have always the money to do it, so I just, I gotta figure this out. And, and so when I always pray, Lord, help this to go perfectly. It rarely ever goes perfectly. I can't even change the oil without having a problem. One time, I was changing the oil in the car, and I, you know, I'd taken the oil uh, filter off, you know, unloosen it, put the new one back on, started it up, and oil spewing everywhere. It's like, what happened? Well, I didn't realize that on an oil filter, there's a little rubber ring. Well, the old rubber ring was still on the engine, so it was a double rubber, rubber, rubber ring, uh, and it just spewed everywhere. And so, the, so what I've realized is this. When I'm working on my car, rarely everything goes smoothly. Because there's this guy named Murphy who's always trying to help me, and he only makes things worse. You got to get a Murphy in your life? You know, Murphy's Law. And so now this is what I pray. I say, Lord, I'm about to work on this car, and I just ask for wisdom, and I ask for patience for what's about to happen. <laughs> because... You know, I, I want to I pray a real prayer. I'm going down to my crypt. I'm going to be dying to myself. I'm going to seek after the Lord because that's where we're going to find him. So the father who sees in secret, he's going to reward you openly. That's what it says here. He, what we do in secret, he's going to reward you openly. Only the Godhead can see the things in the secret place, in your secret place. That's our heart the depth of our soul, okay? This is where we want to pray from. This is where the Father wants us to pray from because that's where he's hanging out at, the depth of our soul, not from the tops of whimsical thoughts, but down deep inside of us. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 with me for a moment. Leave your hand there. We'll come back. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want you to look at verses 2 and 3 with me. The Apostle Paul here is dealing with the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth is a messed up church. They've got all sorts of issues. And he, and he has something real specific he wants to talk to them about. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Listen. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in the craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And so, the, right at the beginning, we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in the craftiness or the handling the word of God deceitfully. The word hidden there is the same word we find back on our passage of crypto. Hidden things, the crypt of our heart, what do we need to do there? We need to renounce or confess the lies, 
the, the uh, addictions, the hidden things of our hearts. We need to allow the truth of the word to go down deep into us, to fill us full and get rid of those things. So this crypt is twofold. One's where we go in there, that's where we find the Lord. But the same place, that's where we hide stuff. And Paul's saying, hey, I want you to renounce those things in your crypt. I want you to get rid of them. They're not good for you. They're hindering your relationship with me. And I want you to move on to maturity and growing in me. So we got to get rid of those hidden things. And we got to not walk in the craftiness of handling the word of God. You know, there's people that are really good with the word of God. They say they use certain scriptures to help justify their sin. You ever know people like that? So, well, you know, my God's like, oh, stop right there. Wait, 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 wait. When you say my God, that's idolatry because you're creating your own God. Your God needs to line up with this Bible, okay? And so he's like, don't, don't mishandle the word of God deceitfully, trying to make it say stuff that it doesn't mean. Too many people in the world do that. So we want to have the hidden things, the crypt of our hearts. We need to renounce, we need to confess, we need to get rid of those things. Now, after we do that, there's a great reward here. He says, the Father will reward you openly. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's going to be a spiritual, a physical, and a verbal transformation in your life, and everyone's going to notice how God is blessing you with the transformed life. And so physically, you start doing things differently. You start taking care of this body that he gave you. You stop putting all these bad inputs into them. Spiritually, you're starting to seek the Lord. You're getting rid of all that stuff in the crypt, okay? The dead bodies and the bones, right? Uh, and, and also, I think your mouth starts, because out of the heart, guess what? The mouth speaks, right? So all that stuff comes out, and people are going, I see something different in you. Why is that? It's because you're going down to the depth of your soul. You're seeking the Lord, and because of that, he is purifying and cleansing you from all unrighteousness. Now, back on our passage, look with me in verse 7. So when you pray, do not use vain repetitions like the heathen do or the pagans, for they think that, by their, that they'll be heard by their many words. Now, he, he, uh, heathen and pagan prayers were all about repetition. They would say it over and over and over again, okay? They had to appease their God so they would do it over and over again. Remember Elijah? Elijah was naughty. I mean, he's there with the prophets of Baal on the Mount Carmel, right? And they're going, you go first, you appeal to your God first. And, and so they go, they start doing their prayer and, and he's like, starts to jeer him on. Well, maybe he's on vacation. I would speak louder, Maybe he's in the bathroom. I don't know. You might have speak louder. And they're cutting themselves. And this goes on. All, all, it's like, Elijah, that was mean. You know, that wasn't very nice. But they were just, what were they doing? Words over and over. Vain repetition. Okay? Now, pr prayer doesn't need to be like that. It doesn't need to be long-winded. And it doesn't need to be loud. I'm, I'm surprised, you know, I, I, being a, my, a pastor in my area and part of this organization of the pastors, we try to encourage one another. All denominations kind of get together. Mostly evangelical pastors will get together with us <laughs> and we'll pray. We'll times of prayer. And some of my brothers, I think they think God's death. It's like they yell at God. It's like, I can hear you. I don't even have my hearing aids in, okay? Um, it's, just, it's like you don't need to yell at God. 
You only just say things over and over and over again, okay? Now, I do have some pet peeves about prayer, and that's one of them, okay? So just because they're my pet peeves, it's okay. You don't have to have my pet peeves, but I do. It's just one of these weird things about me. Um, now, we're going to look at here in a few minutes in verses 9 through 13, we call, the world calls it the Lord's Prayer. I don't know how it got that term. Because the Lord's Prayer is actually found in John chapter um, 17, right? Uh, where, he's, where he's praying to the Father that we would be what? One, right? That's the Lord's Prayer. That's why I call this the believer's prayer. And here's the irony of verse 7. He's saying, do not do things over and over and over again. And what do we do with this prayer, the believer's prayer? Oh, we say it over and over again. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is, right? It was just like this chant that just came out. We start the service, we end the service. Now, so when we say that, let's not be meaningless repetition. He's not saying that repetition is wrong in and of itself. I mean, uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.17 says, pray without what? Ceasing, right? We're supposed to be praying about things. In Matthew 26, we find Jesus, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying to the Lord three times. What? Lord, remove this cup from me. But it ultimately ends up with, not my will be done, but yours be done. We, fall, we find Paul praying three times. Remember, in, in the book of Corinthians, he says, um, the Lord, he says, Lord, would you remove this from my flesh, which that plagues me? He says, I prayed it three times. And what does God say? My grace is sufficient for you. My, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We don't like weakness, do we? But God says, no, that's where, that's where you'll find me. In the crypt, in my weakness, that's where we find the Lord. And I believe there's such a thing as meaningful repetition. I believe this prayer uh, prayed word for word, the believer's prayer, I'll call it that, because that's what I like to call it. You know, it could, be, uh, it could be potentially powerful, wonderful, if prayed with a mind engaged and a heart sensitized to it, Okay. The Lord's Prayer is not to be a mantra like the pagans used it, like the pagans do. And unfortunately, I just find this, the irony is crazy, is we find a lot of people in the church using this prayer as like a mantra. Don't, and he's told them, don't do that. And that's exactly the very thing we do. So we got to be careful of that. Verse 8, therefore, um, do not be like them. For the Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So why am I even praying? Yeah, can I have some? That'd be great. Thank you. Why are we praying? Well, because we do not have, because we do not ask, right? I love the fact that the Father knows everything you need. He's just waiting for us to speak. He knows all the things you're going through. It's not like, Oh, yeah, I forgot about Laura on that issue. Oh, yeah, where was I at? You know, no, he knows exactly what you need, right? He knows all of our needs, but, you know, he wants us to interact. See, our Father, he is so into relationship. He loves interacting with you. I know as, you, as parents, we know what our kids need before they ask them, but you've got to ask. 
How are you going to ask? Please, right? And so we train our kids that way. He knows our needs, and, and this should give us assurance that he will supply our, all our needs according to his will. And, and so when we talk about this prayer, the believer's prayer, we got to make sure we're not being vain about it, doing it hypocritically, because this is a powerful prayer. Let's look at the prayer. In this manner, therefore, pray. In this manner, therefore, pray. It, did, it didn't say, pray these words. It says, in this manner. So what Jesus is saying is, here is here's an example of prayer. If you want to memorize it, that's great. That's, that's cool. We always want to memorize the word. But in this manner. So it's not like we have to pray exactly these words. Or we're going to be zapped you know, from heaven. Okay? But this prayer is powerful when we engage in the truth of it. It speaks of a heavenly focus, an earthly focus, and a spiritual focus, okay? So let's walk through this. Verse 9, um, in this manner, therefore, prayer, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our first part of our prayer, and we're speaking with the Father, as we got to talk to the Father. We're thinking of Him, okay? Our, our focus needs to be heavenward. Uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 3, it tells us, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Set your mind on things above and not on the things of the earth, for why you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Now, in Colossians 3, 3, verse 3, it says, you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. That word hidden, guess what that word is in the Greek? Crypto, crypt. Your life is in the crypt, in the depth of who you are with Christ and God. That's where God meets you. So you died, yeah, because that's what I need to be. I need to die to myself and my life is hidden with Christ in God. If we don't first have a heavenly focus and dead to ourselves and our crypt, we're not going to be any earthly good, as someone once put it. So our Father in heaven, the fact that we can call the creator of the universe, you know, Father, means something real important. That means we have relationship. We have family relationship that can be very personal and importantly, more importantly, loving now, we can call our Father Abba. Uh, I love in Romans 8, 15, it says, um, we do not receive a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear, but you receive a spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are God's children, then we're heirs. We're heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. And so we can call him Abba. Abba is a personal Aramaic way of saying father. Now, I was at a Bible college uh, retreat a number of years ago, a number of years ago now, and uh, this one gal was in our small group, and she always referred to God as Abba. I mean, when she said Abba, it almost brought tears to my eyes. In fact, I feel the emotion of it just saying that now. And afterwards, I was so, I was just a young believer, and I was like, why do you call God Abba? She goes, well, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness, 
and, in, in, and the God, the Father, he's just kind of out there. We don't really have personal, you just stay there, I'll stay here, you know. And I, didn't, I couldn't put myself to call him Father because it was so unpersonable. And so I just call him Abba. Oh, Abba. We have personal relationship with our Father. I think sometimes we forget that. He is our Father. And he loves us with an everlasting love. And so, remember, he is our father. That means there's family. He's our father. He's not my father. This is my father, not yours. No, it's our father. We are all together in this family of God. We're spiritually related to one another. And that's why we call each other brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And as brothers and sisters, we are called to love one another, to get along. I, I think church is one of God's, like, <laughs> watch this. I want to put people from all different types of places and relationships and, and personalities and economic levels and, and ethnicities, and I'm going to put them all together and say, now love one another. It's like, okay, this is a crazy experiment, but yeah, all right, we'll do this. All right, so we're supposed to serve one another, love one another. We're brothers and sisters, and sometimes brothers and sisters and fight. Yeah, we do. Okay. But God calls us our Father. And so our Father is, a, is, is personal, he's loving, but he's also holy. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's holy. His name is holy. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verse 15, he says this. 1 Timothy 6, 15. He who is blessed... Who, you know, say again, who, he who is the blessed, the only potentate, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has uh, immortality, dwelling in an unapproachable light, whom no man can see, uh, has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Wow, what a picture as Paul paints to, to Timothy, our, our Lord potentate, king of kings, lord of lords, unapproachable light. He is our father, but he's also holy, okay? I like to think of it as, it's this dual thing going on here. He's my daddy, he's my Abba, but he's also my God the Father. He's awesome, okay? And it's like, you know, I can't go to a light socket and hold on to a light bulb and put my finger in the light socket, right? That's not going to work. I need a go-between. I need a cord to plug that in. I need Jesus to go there. I need to recognize that who he is. He is holy, and he desires to be holy. His name is holy. Uh, you know, I'm one of those people that really, I hate it when people um, use Jesus' name in vain. And it just bothers me. I said, why don't you say Buddha instead? You know, it's always Jesus, right? But his name is holy. And, and as we get to know him, we get to be like him and be, he makes us holy, okay? Our father is holy as he is holy. Now, your kingdom come. Simply here, just to move along a little bit quicker because I'm running way out of time, is your kingdom come, your will be done. So the concept here is, Lord, your will be done in my life. This is a great prayer. Lord, whatever you're dealing with today or tomorrow, 
on the next week, say, Lord, this is where I'm walking. I need you to guide and direct me because I want your will to be done. Ultimately, God's will in our lives is better than anything we can ever think of ourselves, okay? Our personal life, our, our work life, our family life, our hobby life, everything needs to be ruled by life, uh, by the Lord, our thought life, our physical appetites, and our spiritual life. Lord, your will be done in this. There's something comforting to know that God's will is being done in something. Because then you're like, mm, God's will. God's going to do this. But at the same time, I've run into people that are kind of fatalistic and, and kind of resent, well, God's will is going to be done anyway, so why bother to pray? I mean, he's going to get his way because he's God. And What's a terrible attitude to have, right? We should be saying, Lord, I want your will to be done because your will is always the best. Change my life to be, you know, uh, um, acceptable to your will. Change my understanding. All right, so we have a heavenly focus. Then we have the earthly focus, verse 11, which is a real short verse. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, that was easy. Yeah. See, God cares about the big things and the little stuff. You can talk to your heavenly father, your Abba, for this, the mundane things, the daily issues of life, the daily needs of life. You know, going to work, oh, I got to work with so-and-so, you know, chatty, you know, chatty Susie's over here, and I got, you know, this other guy here I got to deal with. Oh, Lord, just the little stuff, okay? You can ask him about things like, Lord, should I stop and do this or do that? He, he likes the little stuff. He loves relationship. He's concerned about your, his will done on earth as well as just the relationships you have in life. All basically saying everything matters to the Lord, okay? So we can come to him for all things. Psalm 55, 22 says this, cast your cares or your burdens on the Lord. And he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved or shaken. There's something amazing about giving the Lord, praying to him, resting in that peace so I don't have to be shaken. I can trust God. The last two verses are a spiritual focus. Okay? And forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from, you know, evil, the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So forgive me and help me to forgive others. This is the first point he's talking to us about. We're talking about our spiritual lives. He, and he uses the word debt, which is the perfect word to use, okay? The word debt in the English is great. Because um, when we sin, we're in debt to that person. We owe them. And the people go, yeah, that's right, buddy. You owe me. Okay? The problem is there's nothing in which to pay that person back. There are no forgiveness bucks. Wouldn't you love to have a pile of forgiveness bucks? You know, you, you send against somebody. Oh, that's going to be 20 forgiveness bucks for you. Oh, 100 forgiveness bucks. You know, now you have to forgive me. No. The debtor can't do a bunch of good things to pay off the debt. He can't give forgiveness bucks. You know, the one offended has to forgive the debt. The one that's offended must forgive the debt. The one that's sinned against must forgive. Otherwise, resentment and bitterness will grow up and build up, and eventually it'll defy them, defile them, and all those around us. Hebrews 12, 15 tells us that. 
The, the one who is truly forgiven can really only one that can then begin to show forgiveness. When we ask Jesus to forgive us our sins, what does it say? He is faithful and just to forgive us or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that amazing? So if, if we have been forgiven, we ask Jesus to forgive us, guess what? We've been forgiven, okay? doesn't matter about how you feel about it. Christianity is not about your feelings. It's about walking in faith, okay? Um, and you don't forgive yourself. You ask Jesus to forgive you. This is a weird thing that says, well, you've got to forgive yourself. There's no way in the scriptures that tells us you have to forgive yourself, okay? You ask Jesus to forgive you, and guess what? You are forgiven, period. 1 John 1, 9. End of story. I'm forgiven. And you walk in that, you need to forgive others because why? You've been forgiven. It's important to do that. Continually seeking forgiveness from the Father and to continually forgive others that have offended you. Now, by the way, this is not a suggestion. This is an imperative command. In fact, when we get to chapter, or verses 14 and 15, oh, we're not going to get there. Okay. Uh, For if you forgive men their trespasses, then your heavenly Father will forgive you yours. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, then your heavenly Father will not forgive you your trespasses. So he reiterates this really important point of forgiveness. So we need to walk in forgiveness, okay? And we need to learn to forgive people. Uh, Next section here is temptation. And and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, help me, basically saying, he's saying, help me say no to temptation of my flesh. Help me not to fall into the hands of the enemy's vices. Uh, NLT puts this verse, it says, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, all of us are tempted, okay? All of us experience that temptation, and it can be physically, it can be in your mind, in the eye. You see stuff, you want stuff. There's all, the enemy's always trying to tempt us, to get us to, to trip up and fall, okay? And we've got to be careful that we don't focus on the enemy, but that we are focusing on Christ, who will help us in those times of temptation. He will always give us what we need to help us get over those things that tempt us. In fact, James tells us in James 1, 13 through 15, he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. God will help us in those temptations, okay? The world, Satan uses the world to tempt this flesh. But I can say, if I'm dead, if I'm in my crypt, that's where dead people lay, right? The crypt, he can't hurt me. How many people have offended a dead body before? Can you offend a dead body? Now, I'm a chaplain for my police department, and I I see dead bodies all the time. And I can go up to that dead body, and I can call all sorts of names to them. I can kick them. I can drop them as I put them in the body bag. I can do all, and they don't care. You know why? Because they're dead. When we're dead to ourselves, how can we be offended? We're not going to be tempted. So this is the place that we want to dwell. Why? 
for, for it's Christ's kingdom, right? For his kingdom, his power, his glory, forever and ever, amen. So it's Christ's kingdom, he's the king. It's the Holy Spirit's power, and it's for all for the glory of the Father. And so when we pray, pray in this manner. This is just a, a pattern. Not necessarily it has to be something that you have to memorize, which is great to do. I encourage you to do so. Um, but that you're actually, when you pray this, you're actually looking at the three different areas. Heaven focus, you know, earthly focus, and the spiritual focus. As we do so, the place to pray where the Father is, is in the secret place. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you. As you call us, you tell us through your Son where to go, how to pray, when to pray, what not to do in our prayers. Lord, I pray that you help my brothers and sisters tonight. Help us all, Lord, to be careful not to be hypocritical in our prayers, be like heathens, like repeating stuff over and over and over. Yes, you like to hear us talk to you, and yes, it's important to pray for things several times and just to kind of relationship and Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow in our relationship with you, that our prayer would become deeper. Lord, that we would go down to that hidden place, remove that stuff that's so deep in there. Lord, would you take it out? Would you point out areas that we need to say, that's of the flesh and it needs to go? Because Lord, that's where you meet us. And so Lord, speak to our hearts tonight. Help us, Lord, to know you, and I thank you for the personal relationship that we have with you, that you came, you lived that perfect life, you died on that cross, and all those that put their hope and trust in you will have everlasting life. Help us as we continue in our walk with you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.